Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. Each episode, we bring in a wide range of experts from psychologists to clinicians in order to provide you with resources to use on the journey to helping your child or client. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by stuttering specialist Kim Saborin to discuss the impact of stuttering on the family. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, how are you? So good to be here. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. We're excited to have you here. Doing great. Uh, So I'm just going to have you start out with telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about the work you do and all of that. Okay. I am a clinical instructor at Temple University. I also have a small private practice and I do teletherapy. Um, I primarily run the fluency specialty clinic at Temple and I train students and I teach their stuttering course. I also run support groups for parents and teenagers and adults. Um, And then I also run a summer camp program called Speak Now Camp. uh, And that is for young pre-adolescent and teenagers who stutter. Amazing. So if people, you said you're at Temple. Yeah, we're in Philly, Philly area. We do the camp in Ambler, Pennsylvania. Temple has another has a suburban campus, and so it's just easier to do camp when you're, um, you know, when you have more open space. Right. Um, and we have a bus that transports any of the children that live in Philadelphia out to the Ambler campus. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. so if people were looking to find find you there, they would find you in Philly. Um, but they also, you said you do teletherapy. Um, but if people were looking to like find your services like online or find you on social media, where would they go? Um, they can contact me by email at saborin at temple.edu. My last name is spelled S-A-B-O-U-R-I-N. And I can find my Instagram, Speak Now Camp Instagram is at Speak Now Camp. And I don't have a website, but usually that would be a good way. If you wanted to get any information, just contacting me directly by email would be great. Perfect. And I'll put um, those two things in the show notes so people can find them easily. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. If you're ready to chat about all this amazing stuff, I'm ready to hop right in. Okay. Awesome. So first and foremost, we have talked about stuttering on the podcast before, but just to refresh everyone and kind of get a good baseline, what is stuttering at its core? Uh, that's always a debatable question. It's not really debatable, right. but every <laughs> I think that it's always hard to agree on what the exact definition, but generally speaking, it tends to be at its core um, disruptions in the forward flow of speech. Um, and then if we're really talking about the problem of stuttering. It also encompasses the um, affective and social and cognitive components of it as well. So there's, you know, the beliefs about stuttering and how that affects people's thinking and then thinking affects how they feel and react to stuttering. And then there's a lot of that third part about what they do based off of those reactions um, to try to hide and suppress stuttering, which sort of leads to a lot more struggle. So it can be very multifactorial, but also very complex stuttering is to deal with. So that's why it's hard to answer. You know, generally, if we're going to give it a basic definition, we'd probably just say it's the disruption of the forward flow of speech. And it can happen um, through repetitions of sounds and words and then through 
prolongations, holding on of sounds or blocks where you're just trying to get the word out and nothing's happening. Right. Okay. So um, if parents are noticing kind of any of those things, when should they reach out if they like think that their child may, may have a stutter? I am a big believer that we do not need to wait and see. So parents, if they see anything that looks like struggle when their child's talking, even if they're really little, um, they should try to reach out as soon as possible. The problem is that many times pediatrician, the first person they usually go to is a pediatrician. Pediatricians generally will say, well, that's kind of happens with kids and don't worry about it. They'll often grow out of it and, you know, don't bring any attention to it. And unfortunately, all of those things are not the best advice for a parent mm-hmm. who's really concerned. When a parent's really concerned and worried, it's important that we try to address that as soon as possible. So I wouldn't wait to see. I think they should reach out as soon as possible, um, preferably with somebody who has been doing stuttering treatment. Otherwise, there also is sometimes the risk that even certain speech pathologists may often give that same advice. Mm. And it gets very frustrating for parents when they know there's something wrong and everybody's saying, don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, I think that's not a good way to validate parents' concerns and their feelings and their worry. And, uh, And unfortunately, what that does is it just perpetuates the problem. Right. Yeah. And they end up having to get help eventually anyway. In the meantime, the child can begin to develop um, unhelpful ways of coping on their own with stuttering, which will lead to more struggle if they're not able to uh, get the help that they need to to learn something different. Right. So so what kind of um, what types of therapy do you find are beneficial to the child or to, I guess, you know, adolescents and people who finally come to therapy? Yeah. Let's let's start talking first about the preschool population. Yeah. So um, with preschoolers, and um, sometimes we, we may see this as young as 18 months old, wow. two years old, two and a half years old. Um, if they're starting to show signs of disfluencies that appear to be stutter-like, and that would include anything that's like a, a sound repetition. So it's just, just, just a sound repetition or even a single syllable word repetition. So a word like I, 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 those things are often sort of symptoms of possible persistent stuttering. And the trick is if you see a lot of repetitions, um, so repetition units are each time you have a repetition, there's a, it would be considered a repetition unit. So if they say I, 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 there's like four repetition units before the word actually comes out. Um, the more you see that, the more repetition units there are, that sometimes can be a signal that we may be dealing with something that's more chronic. That's just one symptom. And then if we see any kind of struggle at all, which we call dysrhythmic phonation. So if we see any kind of like attempts to try to work hard at getting the words out, sometimes you'll see kids, even when they're really, really little, start to show signals of blocking or trying to push too hard to get the word out. We've even seen some kids who may try to start to say one word and then say it another way because they can't say it. Mm. And, and even 
some of them will say it outright. I can't say it, mommy. The word's not coming out. Like there's some kids that are really precocious who will express that kind of frustration. Right. And if we see any of that, then we need to definitely consider it as a potential for possible chronic stuttering. That doesn't mean that they will be chronically stuttering. Right. Um, in fact, how severe they look at preschool doesn't necessarily predict that outcome, but we don't, we don't want to just ignore it because if we do, when the child is left to cope on their own or the parents left to cope on their own, we get a cycle of the child trying to do whatever they can. And the natural tendency is to push too much. Mm-hmm. So if they're stuck on a word and they try to push the word out, they're going to get more struggle. Um, parents are now looking at it, trying not to react to it, but yet kids always can tell that they can always sense how their parents are feeling and reacting. So even if their parents are trying really, really hard to not bring attention to it, they're going, the child will sense it. Yeah. And then they see, oh, the parents looking at me funny or whatever. I, pr- I should probably try not to do that again. Yeah. And then they perpetuate it. Right. And I like to use the analogy sometimes with parents is why in the world would we not acknowledge that your child's struggling right. when we, we do it with every other thing that they do. Right. If they trip and fall down, you're, you, you check on your child. Oh, are you okay? Oh, I see you're, you're, oh, you scrape your knee a little bit, but that's okay. You brush it off and you move on. Right. Um, you know, you try to color and they get frustrated and goes out of the lines and you say, oh, you know what? It's hard to color in the lines. You know what? Just keep trying. Try your best. You'll be fine. Whatever, whatever it right. is. I can't tie my shoes. Well, you don't need to know how to tie your shoes. You're only three. <laughs> Things like that. So um, why wouldn't we tell our children when they're having trouble talking? Oh, you know what? That's okay. Words get stuck sometimes. Right. You know, It's okay when that happens. When you do that and you begin to acknowledge it and you reassure them, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I don't understand why we continue to tell our parents, don't bring attention to it. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So when you put it in that kind of analogy, you realize it's this, I don't know why we're telling our, <laughs> I don't know why we tell our kids to do that. I don't know. Right. Like, where does that even come from? So that's in the beginning. And when you can get the help early on, uh, you can certainly make huge changes, but most importantly, what you're trying to do is um, prevent them from developing unhelpful coping strategies that are going to lead to struggle. So even if it does become chronic stuttering, the outcomes are better because at least they can just stutter openly and easily without the added struggle. Right. And more importantly, you help the parents because you can educate them and you can help them know what to do and what to say to help their children. And then they calm down right. and then they don't worry as less. And then they feel supported. And then their kid doesn't have to notice that their parents are worrying about them. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I also want to say before I go on to what we have, what happens with older kids is that parents don't cause stuttering. It's never their fault that they stutter and anything that, that, you know, a child learns to do it when they're younger, we can always unlearn it and we can help them change. Uh, So I wouldn't want a parent to hear 
me saying these things and then realizing, oh, I've been doing that for so long. Right. There's, there's, you know, there's, you haven't damaged them. You can always unlearn it. We can always support it from wherever we are. So that's preschoolers. And I'm a big believer that we try to get help with preschoolers. Sometimes they don't need the, you don't have to do much with the children themselves. You can work with the parents and you start to see change and you're fine with that. Um, but then sometimes if they can't make changes just through um, indirect treatment, which would be working with the parents and helping them facilitate ways uh, to help the child not learn unhelpful behaviors. But then if if they need it, we can do direct therapy as well. So sometimes we might, it's, and a lot of that times it's just a matter of talking to the child and saying, you know, oh, you know, it looks like you're really pushing on that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when I try to talk, I might uh, try it an easier way. Sometimes, and some people do this. Some people don't need to do this. I will stretch it out a little bit. I might model it, but a lot of times, you know, after a while, they seem to be just really what they're doing is not pushing too hard. Mm-hmm. And then they, the, the, the struggle seems to slowly kind of go away as you work with the little ones. Right. And then with the older kids and there, another thing is when, when people talk about they'll grow out of it, they'll grow out of it. There seems to be some emerging research evidence that suggests that children, you know, when they're around five or six, if it hasn't grown out of it, then they probably more likely it's going to be chronic. Right. Um, Things, risk factors that we're looking for at that age is how many months post onset. So if it's been more than six months to a year, you know, it's it's more likely to look like it might be persistent. Um, we look at family history of stuttering because it tends to run in families. So children who have family members who stutter are more likely to be chronic. Um, there's some... Well, statistically, more boys than girls stutter, um, and some people use male gender as a as a risk factor. Uh, and and then the other thing that we look for is if they have some concomitant speech sound disorder or something like that. So, if they have other things like an articulation problem, um, it may also be an indication that it's just another risk factor that right. we that could could indicate whether or not we should pay more attention right um so if you're if a child has been showing signs of stuttering for 6 months to a year and it's not going away then it's probably starting to look more and more like it's going to be persistent yeah so I think once we're in that age, and that's like kindergarten, um, we would definitely start to do a more direct kind of approach with okay. them. Okay. Yeah. So I have also seen that you do group therapy. Mm-hmm. What What does that normally look like? And when you say group therapy, is it all people of the same age? What's the deal there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it tends to be people of similar age. So mm-hmm. the groups that I run, I have one that meets monthly. It's the teenagers. So they tend to be between the ages as uh, 10 and 16. I mean, okay. it's a wide, I know it seems like a wide range, but 
often for them to be benefiting from group, they have to have a level of maturity. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in these younger kids being in a group with the older kids. Um, it used to have, I used to do it in person, but after the pandemic, we started to do it online. And I realized that when we're online, we can reach more kids. We would get better attendance because it wasn't when, when I did it in person, sometimes they were driving like an hour for group. Oh, wow. So having it online gives us the, um, it gives us access to more, more of the kids. And so we try to meet monthly. It's a way for them to get together. And the way we operate, we try to keep it sort of light, but these are, most of these kids are getting treatment somewhere. um, And they're, we, we often will introduce a topic and and it's probably will be related to stuttering. Uh, We often will have them introduce themselves to each other, even if they know each other, so that they can get used to introducing themselves. Um, and also we offer them the option to disclose. So it gives them some practice to say, hi, I'm I'm Kim Saborin or I'm Kim and I'm a person who stutters or I'm a stutter. I think that's a new controversy now. So I'm at Asha. We're going to find out, oh. like, are we allowed to say stutterer now? Or are we allowed, we're supposed to call people who stutter? I, mean, I think people are starting to change how we describe that. Okay. So, um, I think it's just a matter of individual preference at the, right now. I mean, some, right. there are people who don't mind being called stutterer. There are some people who prefer to be called a person who stutters. Who stutters. So we offer them the language uh, and the opportunity to disclose if they want to. And it gives them this level of, it gets helps them get over the stigma because what really helps a lot of people who stutter and with any disability is you need to be able to be comfortable enough and confident enough to be able to disclose and ask for what you need. Right. So if I'm a person who stutters and it helps me if you don't finish my words for me. Okay, great. And then the person can know what to do. Um, So we, we give the kids an opportunity to start doing that so they can learn to be more comfortable doing that. Um. Then we give them a topic and we try to make it relatable. So the last group we had, for example, we, um, the kids, all the kids have learned about famous people who stutter. And I think that that's a way for us to, uh, another way to take the stigma from stuttering to say, oh, you know, um, uh, Ed Shearing stutters and here's what he says about stuttering and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's good for kids to know that there are people in the world who stutter, who can do whatever they want and be whatever they want. Having a president who stutters has been great for the kids because then, you know, if you can be president, then you can do anything. You can do anything. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we did, we, they, they all have all learned about various people who stutter. So the last group we had for fun was we put a quote up there from somebody, famous person who stutters and something that they said about it. And then say, you know, who could guess who said this? And then, and then it turns into, does that resonate with you? What do you think about what they said? Do you agree with that? So it just leads to this discussion. And then we try to have them think about ways that they could, um, you know, anything that we did or, or talked about today that they can bring into their daily interaction so that they can start to think about like, what can I be doing to help myself? Right. You know, when I'm not in therapy. Uh, So and then they get to be friendly with each other. They have chat as an option. So being online has been um, 
I think now I prefer to do group online. Yeah. So that's the kid group that we run, teen group. And then the adult group are young professionals. And again, we also are doing that online as well uh, because they're all working. And so now they, I have the attendance has been better because they're not, um, they, they can carve out the time a little bit better. Yeah. In fact, I have this one adult who's always leaving work and she puts, she puts the phone on and she just listens into group when we start. Oh. And then she, and then she comes in on the video <laughs> once she arrives at home because it's sort of, it's sort of, it allows her to attend though. So right. <laughs> fun uh, group and, and the adult group is run very similarly. It's a little less sort of fun in games. It's more right. uh, general discussion and a lot about, um, you know, what can I be doing? What am I focusing on right now when it comes to communication mm-hmm. and, and how can I take that into my daily life? And so it, it keeps them uh, accountable. So for some of, and a lot of my group, my adult group, members are people who've been through treatment and they don't really need the individual attention, but they do like to have that support and place where they can, um, you know, talk through what they're going through and, and uh, keep themselves accountable. A lot of them say the accountability is really one of the reasons why they find adult group helpful. So that's the other group that we have. I also, I like to run a, um, parent support, which we also have been doing online. And for that group, I like to have parents who are new to therapy that are new, that maybe newly have, have a new diagnosis or just now finding treatment for their child who stutters, uh, in a way that they're finally feeling like they're getting the support that they need. So I like to bring in what we call our new parents. And I, I also invite some of our Old, older parents, seasoned parents, those have been there and been through it um, and have become have, are much more accepting of their child's uh, stuttering. And so that way we can have them talk about what they've done with their kids, some of the difficulties they had through seeking the right help for them, and then reassuring the younger parents, the newer parents, um, that they're going to be okay. And the, I think the things that they worry about the most is, are they going to be bullied? Are they going to ever date? Are they going to get married? Are they going to, they're going to go right. to college? Are they going to get a job? Right. And everybody can reassure each other that yes, to all of those right. things, if that's what they want, they will have all of those things. Um, so parent support is really important. Um, and I off, I hear people, I've heard parents say this again and again. Um, I feel like, so a lot of the times that the help that I received was far more important than the help my child received. Wow. So I, I'm a huge believer in um, family support and keeping families involved. Um, in fact, there's, there's a, re- there was a research study in the nineties, late nineties, where they, they, when they did a study where they had two groups of children in the, in a school system, um, and they put uh, one group of children continued to get therapy like they normally do in school. And that's the pro- one of the problems with school therapy is you don't see the parents. Right. Because you're doing all the therapy in the school and the parents aren't, aren't in the room with you or nearby. And then they add, all they did was add a parent support group. I don't remember how frequent it was, maybe once a week, once a month. Added a parent support group after hours, mm-hmm. after working hours. Um, kids 
two groups of kids all getting the same therapy, the one that had the parents involved in the support group that were able to attend, they all progressed better. They oh all had God. better outcomes. They all even stuttered less. Wow. And that was the only thing different because it was the same, you know, it's the same cohort of kids within a school district um, being seen, you know, with similar treatments. Um, I don't know that the treatment necessarily mattered all that much. The biggest variable was that they, one group had parents for it and the other one didn't. Wow. So that's, that's something that um, tells us that even if we did small changes like that for, uh, for school districts, we could probably have a bigger impact. Right. And I don't know that it would take a lot of extra effort. Right. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't say enough how much the support of the parents is vital to right. the outcomes for these kids. Right. So let's say there's a parent that has their kid kind of in like more direct therapy um, and the practice that they're at doesn't have a parent support group. What right. do you recommend for that parent to do? Like it could be something that they do at the practice itself. You know, I don't know, maybe recommending that they, they come and mm-hmm. sit in on sessions or I don't know, or what should they do? Mm-hmm. Maybe stuff at home. What do you recommend there? Um, well, parents, there are ways for parents to get support. Um, a couple of things that I may do. Sometimes I will um, ask a parent who I've worked with before if I could share their contact information with a parent so that I've had parents like, here are some, here's some parents who are willing to talk to you. Um, if you want, you can call them um, and I'll, I'll, I'll match parents up that way more directly. Cool. Um, I also uh, would recommend parents to, there's some two really good organizations that um, provide a lot of parent support is the National Stuttering Association and Friends for People Who Stutter. Um, those two organization, organizations, they do like one day conferences where you can go with your kids and you can meet other parents. Uh, that Those are good places to get support. Um, and I've even known um, adults who had parents sort of, you know, tied in with National Stuttering Association, but even though that the person who stuttered didn't really involve themselves so much with that, uh, I think that those are ways to get in, get some support. Um, I forget, what was your other question? Um, just essentially- uh, Did I like, cover all of it? I think you did. I mean, I think that, that because when they have those conferences and parents attend those conferences, it becomes for some of them life changing to get around other families who are going through it. Right. Um, I guess uh, another question I kind of had since we're talking about the parents getting the support um, and kind of, they then have a team around them of other parents who have children who stutter, right? Mm -hmm. At home, what should parents do? And do you often find that siblings need a little bit of help understanding their sibling who stutters. Yeah. That's the part I forgot. Yes. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) And it's a very good question because I do like to include siblings sometimes into the treatment. And one of the uh, early on, when we're talking about the young children, a lot of times uh, with busy households, there's a lot of competition to talk in the house. 
And so um, if you have one of those busy households with noisy kids who all like to talk, and especially if mom and dad are working all day and then you come home at night and they haven't seen you and they have so many things to tell, (laughs) um, I do try to help them uh, create places and opportunities where they start to um, talk to their kids about reducing interruptions right? Uh, and trying to coach them through that. And I tell them it's going to be a lot of work in the beginning, but it, it pays off later on because you're going to get older kids who sit at the dinner table and say, hold on, I wasn't finished. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And then they, they allow themselves to talk. Now that's one thing they can do. The other thing I wanted to mention was sometimes when we have like, for example, if the younger child is stuttering, um, and I know that in my own personal experience, I had, I have two kids. Um, my youngest daughter showed signs of stuttering when she was four. Okay. And so with my oldest daughter, we had a conversation. Um, you know, right now she's having some trouble. Words are hard to say. Here's what you could do to help us. And so I have talked to parents about talking to the older siblings and telling them that that they, we, I'm going to need your help and cooperation. Right. And it seems like older siblings are very responsive to that kind of conversation. It's important they have it. And again, it goes back to not being silent about stuttering. Right. Because if we're, you know, a lot of the ways that we promote stigma is by not talking about things. Mm -hmm. If we're going to pretend like we all know that they stutter, but we're not talking about it. So that kind of thing perpetuates stigma. Right. around stuttering, the silence around stuttering. And um, so when you can have a conversation with the older sibling or the other siblings uh, and say, you know, your brother, or your sister, they need, they're going to need some support right now. And we're going to have to try to make sure that we not finish their sentences. Let's not talk for them too much. Think about what you're doing. Um, and then, and then the, the sibling can be, someone who is part of their support system. Right. So I do tell parents to have conversations with them. I do coach them in uh, ways that they could reduce competition when speaking and interruptions of each other in the house. Of course, it's, it's impossible to do it all the time, but there are places right. where you can do it. Dinner time, car rides, certain places where, you know, the family's all together and when the siblings get involved, then they can, you know, it, all of it just supports the child. And there have been times when I've brought siblings into the therapy session. Wow. And then I could talk to them and yeah. then we can practice some things and let me show you what we do. And then um, that could also help support the child who's, who's dealing with the stuttering. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So it sounds like, yeah, it's more of, Honestly, it sounds like the stuttering is more of an a person who does not stutter issue, right? It sounds like that we've put so much stigma around right. it that we kind of have to yeah. have the support group around the child so that they feel comfortable knowing, hey, I stutter and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. So another question in, for parents would be, what happens, let's say you're in a situation where you have other parents and other kids um, and your kid stutters and other, the other parents don't know that and they try to help your kid along. Like, what would you say to like other parents, like to parents who have a child that stutters, like what should they say to other parents in situations like that? Um, 
do you say like, Hey, my kid stutters. This is the deal. Um, it depends. Uh, so certainly you wouldn't with certain ages, you know, older the kid gets you, you just kind of, one of the things you could do is I might recommend to the parent, talk to your son or daughter, uh, cause let them know what they would like you to do. So if your kid, suppose you have like an eight-year-old kid and eight-year-olds are around third grade. So, uh, they're stuttering. And, um, I, I would recommend to the parent, you know, if you don't know what to say when this happens in front of other people, I think it's the best thing you could do is ask your child what they would like you to do. So yeah. I would say, tell your child, ask your child, do you, would you like to help me in those moments? Do you want me to say something? Cause some kids will be, will say, no, I don't want you to, no, please don't say anything. Right. I don't want you to say anything. Right. Um, and some kids may be okay with it. So I think it depends on the child. So what I coach parents to do is to have the conversation with your child and you ask them what they would like you to do in those situations before then when you're prepared. And most of the kids tend to say, you don't need to do anything, mom. I, I, I got this. Right. Because, <laughs> um, you know, again, we're, we're all, we've already built up the confidence in these kids through the therapy. So, um, we, the more we can get, reinforce the conversation right. and teach the families how to have the, how to have that conversation, then it supports the child. And then the child is able to, to either handle things on their own or choose to ignore it if they want to, but it's their decision. Right. Um, that's generally how we, how it would go. So I wouldn't ever give somebody the advice, do this or say that. Um, I, I often will will do it with the child in mind, the right. individual in mind, and the recommendation almost always is uh, just ask them. I say that about everybody. You know, I even say this with my students. I could, they'll go, "How do I know if they're doing this or that?" And I go, "Well, you can ask them. <laughs> just ask them. They'll tell you." <laughs> That's right. the beauty of it all. I mean, it's uh, you know, as as communication disorders go. Uh, stuttering's just stuttering. They, right. they, they communicate actually quite well. So you just ask them. Right. <laughs> um, and even little kids, you can ask them things. They're, they'll tell you what they want to do. It's really, uh, and the more we can empower them, the better off their outcomes are, the better off they'll be in the long run. Right. Um, I do want to talk about camp. Please. We would love to hear about it. Because camps, um, now I've been doing Speak Now Camp, which is it's for meant for pre-adolescents and teenagers who stutter. It's a day camp program. We've it used to be one week. This year we're going to be doing it for two weeks. Oh, awesome! Um, yeah, July twenty fifth through August fifth this year. Okay, we're going to do two weeks, and it's a day camp program, which means you just drop your kid off in the morning, pick them up at the end of the day, and it's primarily just a camp. But we do every morning we have group therapy, um, where we will bring up topic of discussion um about stuttering uh and then we um do camp things which means just gets kids interacting and it creates friendships and it creates support and fellowship between them and then in we after lunch we usually have them uh scheduled for individual therapy okay so they each get um about you know 45 minutes of individual therapy after lunch uh, so each key, kid will meet with one of our graduate students 
and our graduate students are getting trained in 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 doing um, stuttering treatment. And then another big component of the again is the families. So on day one, we do a parent information session, uh, which I can I invite them to either drop their child off and meet with me in person. And then I have some of them will just log on, like we'll, we'll provide a, a Zoom link or something so they can log on and attend online. Right. And then uh, at the last day of camp, we usually do family day and we invite families to be there all day. Siblings are invited, um, Other any other family members. Sometimes we get grandparents. Oh. And then we do a whole day of celebration. The, the early part of the day is um, we have a conversation with the, we have a workshop between with the parents and the kids. And we invite some adult mentors who stutter in that day to talk about their experiences with stuttering. And then we, um, we usually have a luncheon and then we do a, a talent show in the afternoon. And then we, we just, you know, do a, a final farewell and celebration at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, there's the training component, there's the parent component, there's the support for the children. And then every day we have an adult mentor is, who stutters come in and work with the children. Uh, and, and it could be, you know, sometimes it's a speech pathologist who stutters. Uh, last year we had a basketball player who stutters, oh. um, a pro basketball player who stutters. Yeah. And we have, uh, you know, um, just, you know, I had a nutritionist come in who stutters, yeah. but, and they, and they talk about what they do in their lives and how they, you know, sometimes they're not even talking about stuttering. They're just talking right. about like how to eat healthy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but what they're showing is real people with stuttering in their speech, being successful, just being themselves, just being um, interesting people that you want to be around. Right. Uh, Cause the problem sometimes what kids see when we talk about famous people who stutter Famous people who stutter don't stutter in public. They don't right. stutter on camera. Right. They don't. They'll, or they'll, you know, Steve Harvey is one of the famous people who stutters. He'll tell everybody, oh, I overcame stuttering, blah, 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 blah. Did he really overcome stuttering or are we just not seeing it? So right. I don't know. Um, but to see real people with stuttering in their speech, being themselves, being successful, being interesting, that's, I think, um, a big part of what helps them say, okay, so if I'm not going to grow out of this, at least I could grow up to be like that. And, and I'm okay with that. Right. Oh, that's amazing. I think that is very important to see people successful. Um, and you know, but they're like you, so you are like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and not only that, but maybe the other kids too. So when we have that mix of the older and the younger kids, I used to, I used to have a more narrow um, age range. I think it was ten to fifteen at one point. Okay. Now I do eight to seventeen. Wow! And what I found is that now these younger kids look up to the older kids, and the older kids look out for the younger kids. Oh! And wow. I expanded the age range because I felt like, you know, why not? Yeah. And they take their little buddies, and now they have, you know, you know, they have these friendships right. with each other. So the age doesn't seem to matter so much. Yeah. I think I like having now the mix of those older kids and some of the younger ones. And last year we had two of our older 
members. They were 17, going on 18, about to enter college. And we ended up making them junior counselors. Oh, wow. Um, They were young men who were in our camp for a couple of years and they wanted to come back. Yeah. And and I told them like, I'd love to have you back. Why don't we just make you like a junior camp counselor? Mm, And so what they, we just had them sort of look out for some of the other younger kids and, and they loved it. And one of them is now going to college to become a speech pathologist. Oh, that is fantastic. I know. (laughs) The magic, the magic of camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. So, so it's been, that's my biggest passion. I I love uh, doing the work. Camp is my favorite thing to do. um, But I also really enjoy um, helping parents and supporting parents. um, Because all of it seems to, when we support the families, we support the child, we have better outcomes. Right. Wow. Well, those were all the questions I had for you. I don't know if you had any other things you wanted to add in there, but if you do feel free, please. Yeah. Um, um, well, the only thing I want to say is if you're, if you're a parent and you're still, you know, you're not happy with the therapy that you're getting for your child, or you're not happy with the advice that you're getting, don't give up. Find somebody who will listen, find somebody who is willing to help you and, if you're feeling like whatever therapy they're doing right now is not helping for whatever reason, it is okay to seek another option. Yeah. And do not give up. Well, thank you for that. I think it's important to hear some people get stuck yeah, yeah. Um, where they are because they think it's the only option. So yeah. Right. Or they think, well, okay, it seems okay, but uh, right. So re- moms and dads just pay attention to what your gut is telling you. Yeah. If you're not happy, try so you know, find somebody else who, yeah. who will help you in a way that, that will make, will not give you that feeling. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Right. We had a fantastic time having you here. Um, this is amazing. I think parents aren't talked about enough in the world of therapy for mm-hmm. kids struggling with anything. So I think this is really mm-hmm. good advice. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Tristan. I'm so glad that you invited me and uh, it was really nice to talk to you. Yes. Same to you. All right. Um, Thanks to the audience for listening as well. Um, Make sure to leave us a little rating and review and we'll see you all next time. Have a great rest of your day.